This is Periodically Political, brought to you by Elect STEM. We bring you stories of where science intersects politics. My name is Chris Caputo, and I'll be your co-host today, along with Darren Anderson and Monica Stoller. Yeah, welcome all to the season recap, or the season one recap of Periodically Political. As you have uh, come to know, my name's Chris, and I'm here with Darren and Monica, the other co-founders of Elect STEM. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to have a quick chat, a, a recap of you know our first season, uh, which I think was a was a really big success. We had lots of great guests and a lot of enthusiasm, which was uh, you know really supportive, really great to see. So we recorded twelve episodes total. Um, Darren, I'll ask you this first. What was your favorite memory you know, from the first season? Um, the thing that I think I was the most struck by was how accessible the people that we asked to interview were. Um, everyone was so engaged and open. And I think it's something that I didn't really appreciate until we... Uh, until we did this season of periodically political is just how accessible our elected officials are and people that are involved in politics. And, you know, I, I was amazed at how many of the people we reached out to to say, hey, we'd love to engage with you. We're doing this podcast. This is why. And almost always the answer was, yeah, sure. How can we help? And that was really, really cool to see. For sure. How about you, Monica? Um, I don't have one specific favorite memory. I think I liked all of it. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone had its own unique flair and it was definitely a fun time in every interview. I can't say I liked one more than I liked the other one. That was a very political answer. I think you've learned <laughs> from our guests. <laughs> May have. Well, Chris, I mean, one of the questions that I think you're very well suited to answer is we asked all of our guests how they got their origin story, how they got involved in the intersection between uh, science and engineering and politics. Um, what did you learn from that? All their stories, they were all unique, yet there was a common thread, I think, that was woven between them all. You know, the idea of wanting to help make their community better. I think that really, um, obviously, I think that's that, that kind of, you know, moral value is very important if you're going to make that leap to office. Like, you're going to want to help people if you're doing it selfishly um you know you one you probably won't be successful and two like, is that really the right reason to get involved it was really interesting in that a lot of the scientists almost didn't feel fulfilled doing just their scientific duties and wanted to apply their science to the community and to actually mm -hmm. help the community with their science which i guess as a regular scientist you might not feel like you're directly impacting the community the other thing, too, to add on to that, Monica, was, you know, at least 50% of the guests, if not more, I, I would argue they realized uh, that policy wasn't changing fast enough to keep up with the science with respect to climate change. And I think that as, you know, the coming years, they were going to probably see more scientists and engineers feel that sense of urgency as it is going to get more urgent and, and make that leap. I thought what you were going to comment on was how everyone that we interviewed that was elected to public office lost once or twice before they got elected. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's I true too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Actually, maybe that's what I need to go back and say what my favorite memory of this season was, was the fact that 
you know, it's okay to lose. <laughs> yeah, Darren, along those lines of what we were just talking about, um, you wrote a blog post about, you know, the idea of service and the idea of serving the community. Like, I know most of our guests said this as, as the rationale for running. Do you, do you think that's like an altruistic viewpoint? Uh, no, I, I think it's really important. I think that idea of service is a big part of what keeps um, keeps our elected officials going. And, and even, you know, politicians you may not agree with are, from what I can tell in the conversations we've had, generally trying to do their best by their constituents. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I think that provides you a little bit of that thick skin. I mean, when we um, uh, had a few of our guests on, I remember Preston Manning talking about this, but there were a few others. One of the questions we asked was like, how do you deal with the social media criticism you get and all that kind of stuff that is another potential barrier to people wanting to run for elected office. And I think knowing, I think Dalton McGinty said, know why you're doing this. Right. Um, Make sure you understand why you're doing it. And, And I think that culture of service provides you the energy and the fire to be yourself and be authentic and deal with those kinds of slings and arrows. One thing that I really enjoyed about this last season was that we were able to interview, you know, politicians from every level of government, from every major party across the country. Um, You know, Monica, I'll ask you this first. Which level of government do you think is the most exciting based on what our guests are saying? So I don't know if this is because I wasn't doing the interview, but I actually found the municipal people the most interesting and the most exciting. The fact that they had so much going on, they had so many different things to consider, because at a higher level of government, things are kind of broken down between different people. But I feel like at a municipal level, there's not that many people on the city council. And there's a lot of work involved. And there's a lot of small things that you almost take for granted living in the city. And they've kind of opened up my eyes to sort of understand how much it takes for the city to function properly. How about you, Darren? I totally agree. Yeah, I I agree. I had the same perspective. And it was funny, too. I think one of the other benefits of the municipal level is because you don't have political parties, I think some of the kind of more poisonous elements of partisan politics are are less less intense at the municipal level. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's funny, even if I think about uh, my favorite political, my favorite provincial guest, and this is going to sound a little bit funny because we had some absolutely awesome ones, but I still remember um, uh, Deepak Anand talking about um, trying to deal with gas station thefts and people that are, you know, gassing up and going and the fact that that's putting a lot of people's livelihoods at risk and there's violent crime attached to it. And it was clear that it was motivated by like a local impact where you knew local people that were having these issues. And I think, I don't know, I I felt like that was really motivating uh, in some of those conversations as well, the impact on your local constituents. Yeah, I, you know, I was going to make this three for three with (laughs) municipal politics. You know, it's very entrepreneurial, right? There's no party system. You're on your own. (laughs) It's, it's you. Um, and, and you can make an immediate connection. Like it happens at the municipal level. But I need to now, you know, I got to come up with a, a can, we can't make it a, a three for three across the board. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, we can. See, I think what this is saying is that in season two of uh, Periodically Political, we need to make sure that we're getting more municipal folks um, uh, onto the podcast. Because I also think it's a piece that 
our listeners probably aren't as familiar with, although we'd love to hear from you if you've got specific folks in mind. And I think also considering some different sized municipalities as well, how mm-hmm. they function, because those will be different. So Monica, what do you think is the biggest barrier to people running for public office? So for myself personally, as a very competitive person, I'd be scared to lose. And a lot of the people we interviewed actually lost their first time. And it was really nice to hear that they lost, they dealt with it, they learned from it, and they got better, and then they won their next election. And I think if you tie this back to STEM, and if you're thinking about academia, a lot of academics are scared not to get funding, and they might sort of treat an election the same way, where it is quite detrimental to your research if you don't get funding, but you can also take it as a learning curve and get better for the next time. The way I look at it, we set a target of trying to get, I think, 100 people um, that are interested in putting their, their hat in the ring because of the influence of Alexstam or, or that we've been able to influence in some way. Um, I don't think we're going to have any trouble getting there. And I think a lot of those people were probably close to taking that leap, mm-hmm. but it may be that this push is, uh, is all that they needed to really decide that it's something that they wanted to do. And I think if we can influence people that are... of the way there and get them that extra 10% of motivation by seeing people like them that have been successful um, or have failed. And it wasn't that bad to fail, kind of to to Monica's point. Um, I think that'll make a really big difference. And, and to your point, Darren, you know, we wanted to inspire a hundred people. We have almost a thousand plays on our first season of periodically political at this point, July 7th, 2021. So, um, you know, hopefully it, it may even be more than a hundred for all we know. So this, this, I think I'm going to direct towards Monica. Um, and in nearly every conversation, you know, science communication and the idea of effectively communicating science to the public came to the forefront. And um, do you think actually having more scientists in elected positions would actually improve this? Or, you know, is this science communication a more important issue on the policy side of things? Um, I think, I think it's important sort of in both cases. And I think having more scientists at the table will give a different point of view. Obviously the scientists who are there will need to understand that they're talking to non-scientists and they'll need to communicate in a manner that everyone can understand. And that could be training that we need for our scientists earlier on so they can communicate better. This is also something we saw with the pandemic is that there's a big disconnect from science to public policy and to the decisions that are made. And I know we have an upcoming interview where we sort of discuss how we should talk to the public about these issues and whether we need to tell them what to do or we need to trust them to make their decisions based off facts as well. We need to trust the public that they can make educated decisions on their own. So I think having scientists as a voice at the table is really important. Um, I do think science communication in policymaking is also important, sort of reflecting the science tone in a policy or to policymakers is important as well. Now, whether those people are elected or not, that could be a completely different group of people who helps out politicians right. write and make policies. Right, right. So Monica just teased out a little, uh, a little tidbit of information there that there, there will be some season one bonus tracks Woo! for all of those who are super excited about that. 
So stay tuned. We'll have some more announcements soon. Awesome guests. I'm really, really excited about those guests. I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun. The, one of the first interviews that I didn't do myself, so I'm excited about that one. <laughs> we're, 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 we're getting to the point where we can uh, you know, stand on our own two feet around doing these without you. So in addition to learning about running for public office and uh, you know, what's involved in, in being a scientist or an, elect, uh, an engineer as an elected official, we have also learned how to be more effective podcasters <laughs> this year, which was a lot of fun. So with this in mind, you know, we'll wrap this up. Darren... What do you want from season two? Oh, that's a really fun question. Um, I'd be interested in engaging a little bit more with uh, folks like uh, Dr. Kimberly Gerling, that was actually our first guest, uh, I believe, this first year. First recorded guest. Uh, at least the first yeah. person we interviewed. I think she was our first recorded guest. And she is, so she's not an elected official, but she's a scientist that is very closely tied into the political ecosystem and influencing politics and policy. And I think that those kinds of people and those kinds of stories are also really interesting for us to be able to tell because there are going to be some of our listeners or some folks that are, as I often say, politically curious that maybe don't want to take that leap all the way into running for public office right away, but want to be more engaged in the political process. And I think um, interviewing more people like that would be would be really interesting and just broaden some of the kinds of stories that we're telling. Or, you know, to follow on to what Monica was just talking about, you know, folks that are really heavily involved in uh, science communication as it touches on politics or, or um, uh, political actors. What about you, Monica? Well, I was going to say I'd like to hear from some of our public health officials who were advising mm. government during the pandemic and well, hear their experience from a scientific point of view, how they communicated and where they found the pitfalls, because that could be what we learned to be both better science communicators and policy makers, and also how things were communicated and received by the public. I think it's just a very relevant and current example where we could <laughs> learn for the future, learn for our next climate change decisions. I agree. It would be fascinating to you know, to do the review paper on, you know, what everyone learned and what everyone learned in Canada and around the world, because there's are a lot of, a lot of important lessons that I think we're going to pull out of the, of the most recent, uh, out of the last 18 months of, of um, public health challenges and, and ongoing around the world. Yeah. I think for me in season two, you know, Canada is, we, you know, I think for me in season two, like we only recorded 12 guests, for the first season uh, Canada is a plus, plus, plus three, three bonus, bonus tracks. That's right. Um, but you know, Canada is a huge country, diverse country. You know, I want to see, uh, or I want to speak to people from all across the country. We did a pretty good job in our first season, but I want to you know expand that uh, set even further for our, for our next season. And perhaps, you know, we'll see where things go, but maybe even a couple of international guests to get outsider perspective outside of Canada, what it's like elsewhere. I think it's a great idea. It, it dovetails really nicely with the uh, international profiles that we've been uh, periodically publishing <laughs> on our uh, on our blog. I appreciate the, the laughter there. That, that made great me feel fun. good. Great fun. Um. You know, we, we had a great group of volunteers who have helped us throughout this entire year. 
help get Alex STEM off the ground. And, you know, I want to thank you all so very much from the bottom of my heart. And I think and we've profiled some of them and more to come. More to come. Absolutely. And, you know, we're always looking for more volunteers who are excited um, about this space. So feel free to reach out. Really appreciate all the listeners. Uh, it's been awesome to engage with each of you on Twitter and other forms of social media. You know, you're really the reason why we do this. Um, we're passionate about this issue and we've really enjoyed engaging with all of these guests, but we also want to be providing a service. I mean, the idea is to try to encourage all of you to that are politically curious to potentially run for public office. So thank you for listening. And please let us know if you've got guest ideas or topics that you'd love to see on a future show, because we would love to hear those from you. Again, you are the reason we do the show and we really appreciate your, um, your listening and, and your ideas. Um, and with that, I think we'll, we'll wrap up. And as always, we encourage everyone to rate and review the show uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it really does help folks uh, discover the show. And if you've now been listening for 12 full episodes, 13 full episodes, and you haven't done that yet, want a strong encouragement to do so. We really want to make sure this is available broadly. And the more people that do that, um, the, the more listeners discover the show. 